The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Beinhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. It turns out that, that you know, when you're making a custom product faster than you can deliver it there, um, people uh, have some hesitancy to that. Um, when you're making a custom product and you're making it, you know, faster than anyone else, like right. by a mile, people wonder how good could the quality be? Of course. Right. It must yeah. not be very good if, you know, I mean, you guys, you and I are making airplanes and we're rolling one out every day. People be like, I'm not getting on that thing. <laughs> I'm not going on that thing. Yeah, I mean, right. things just take time yeah. just in and of themselves, right? You couldn't say we're going to have a couch tea in an hour. Nobody would believe that. How is it possible yeah. to? It, it doesn't actually take that long. That's kind of the, that's kind of what I secret. set out to prove. Yeah, that is the secret. It doesn't take that long. It's, it's really, you know, when your production is set up right, you know, it's a day. Um, yeah, really? And, and, yeah. And it's really just the line and the organization and, and, um, you know, how, how the paperwork flows through the factory and, you know, and on top of that, look, the furniture industry is, is a, a good portion of the furniture industry is kind of the, a slow dog, you know, that's just, that's just the mentality. Like we've done it this way and that's how we're going right. to do it. Yeah. You that's know? part of it. That kind of thing. Yeah. And so, so I felt at the time it was ripe for, for disruption and, and, um, you know, I feel like we're still disrupting things today. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Edgar Blazon. I'm the founder of Benchmade Modern. We are a modern upholstery business. We're making sofas uh, very, very quickly um, in as little as five weeks. I started the company as I thought there was a, uh, a hole in the marketplace uh, for transparency along in the, in the furniture industry in general. Yeah. Okay. Edgar, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Um, I forget. I was trying to think. Did was it a publicist or a um, that connected us? A publicist. Yep. Yeah. The placement. The all the the booking yeah. people. I guess. Yeah. The booking it, right? people. Yeah. Booking That's agents. Pretty, cool. Pretty cool little system they got there. I, I have yeah. To- I I meet some very cool people through them. Sometimes you know they're all just uh, you know uh, they're motivational this, motivational that, which is fine. But I and I like to meet the guys that are really have a company. They're making a product. They're doing all things. So we're going to talk about Benchmade Modern. And what you're doing in the furniture space, um, but maybe we can go back to, you know, your training because I was talking to somebody today about college degree and not college degree and this and that, and there's really no correlation between the two. There's people that have gone to college and been very successful and not successful, and there's people that yeah. haven't and been successful and not successful. So, well, let's start with your story, like where, where you're from, where you grew up, and all that kind Absolutely. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up in San Francisco. Uh, you know, kind of the gold rush out here. You know, I just I happen to be 
you know, um, I'm, I'm lucky, you know, I, we moved from Sacramento to San Francisco, you know, when it was a blue collar town and uh, suddenly this, this crazy tech gold rush came through Yeah, and um, boy, it's obviously it's changed the world and it's certainly changed me. And I, I uh, was in high school. I went to school, the arts high school, uh, a lot like, you know, the fame. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. I remember fame. That was, that was in California, right? Or was that New York? Fame was in New York, but yeah, man, but it was a performing arts high school, right? Yeah, it was. And I remember watching that show as a young kid thinking, man, this is so cool. I never thought I'd ever be able to go to something like that. Uh, and I and I did. I went there. And unfortunately, what was your you had to audition, right? What was your what was your thing? What did you do? Art painting. Oh, um, OK, you're an artist. And you're weirdly, artist. Uh, I'm not a fine painter. And so and they, you know, only had fine painting classes. And she would my teacher would have me, you know, doing these fine painting things for my final, you know, and I would turn on these turn in these sculptural, you know, very <laughs> geometric you know, things. She'd be like, this is fine painting. I'd be like, well, this is my art. So <laughs> if you want to flunk me for that, so be it, you know, and yeah, and uh well, they did. Um, she did. She's like, okay. <laughs> I failed fine painting. <laughs> However, you know, what I learned there is, is that I could, you know, spend time and, and be an artist. And, and you know, at, the, at that point in time and the age that I was at, I was a graffiti artist. It was, a, right. it was an outlet for me to kind of be rebellious and yeah. still do art. Um, like on I, the street, on the sidewalk, on buildings. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and wow. I, I, I started a company called Graffiti Graphics. You know, illegal cool. style at first. Yeah. You know, painting buses and subways, and you know, and rooftops and all that. Right. Um, but I quickly learned that there was uh, a need for this in the marketplace, okay. and that uh, there wasn't anyone really you know, focused on selling that. Right. And so I created a little company called graffiti graphics, you know, stupid little thing, you know, and I got all my friends yeah. together and, and um, I kind of went out and, and sold our talents and, and got us on the walls. That was my first foray into, into art for sale. Uh, and then later on I left high school, I dropped out. Okay. Uh, you know, I was kind of a dumb kid. I, you know, I thought I knew everything and it wasn't and, for you. Right. It wasn't for me. And I kind of, I honestly had kind of outgrown it. Uh, and I started to try to find ways to make a living. And I ended up making a table and chairs for my own house. I didn't have any money to, to uh, buy anything. And, and, and a gallery, I showed a gallery and they're like, we could sell this for you. And I'm like, man, I, I just learned how to weld. Like I taught myself how to weld. I taught myself oh, how to like grind. Arc welding. Metal. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. MIG welding. Wow. You know, like, you know, like, Oh my God, am I going to, you know, if I touch these two things, am I going to electrocute myself? <laughs> you know, like, like that, that type of stuff. Right. There was no YouTube back then. You couldn't no, learn. You couldn't. Well. Right. You had to figure it out and kill yourself in the process. Online. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were, you dropped out of high school. Did you, were you living at home or your parents were like, listen, if you're dropping out oh, of high no. school, you're on your own. No, I moved out. I was, I, yeah. I knew, I knew everything. Real you know, rebellious. I'm, I'm going to move out. I'm not, I, you know, I'm going to pack be your a, little stick with the, uh, oh, with the little totally. on the back and you're off and going. <laughs> totally. I'm going to. Yeah. Now, were you handy? Like, I mean, in terms of building yeah. things and yeah. construction I, I, and stuff? I grew up in a construction family. Um, Got it. You know, and so, yeah, I was relatively handy, although certainly not what I became. I, you know, I later on in life turned out to to, you know, have a small little cabinet shop and, and, right. uh, you know, pretty much self-taught there. Custom stuff. Um, yeah. A lot of, did a lot of custom furniture. You know, at one point when I was really struggling, I mean, I was literally selling furniture in front of the, on the street, in front of the bars. At that night. you build? That you yeah. Build yeah. Yourself? Yeah. I would, I would set up on the sidewalk, you know, yeah. coffee tables and chairs that I made nice. tools, you know, but I'd just be out there. Like, it's like the story of the crate furniture guys. Remember they, they get to their place at all those crates from overseas or wherever they got here. And they didn't have any money. So they like took the crates yeah. apart and they made furniture and they out of it. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. And 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 I, you know, I ended up selling a lot of that stuff and I became a furniture maker, you know. And and then I got to the point in life where I was like, how can I monetize this? You know, yeah. Look, I say that you had to the, pay your bills, right? I mean, I say that with a fancy word, monetize this. Yeah, it wasn't a word. Monetize over yeah. nothing. So I was needed, like, how do I make money doing this? That how do it. I buy a 12 right. pack of beer? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. That's important then, you know? Yeah, right. Of course. Uh, yeah. So later on in life, I. And not I, good beer either. Yeah, no, no, a twelve pack of <laughs> yeah. beer. You know, only the best comes in that cardboard box. Exactly, you know? that's funny. Yeah. 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 So 
I later on, you know, uh, progressed and uh, had a small little cabinet shop, like I said. And, and then I realized that I was never going to, you know, make um, make it. Right. It was going to be a long, slow road to success. Right. It was hard to go get a job. You didn't have a high school degree, right? So, well, let's talk about a high school degree thing. Yeah, let's talk okay. about the high school degree. And then let's talk about I didn't go to college either. And I, I think that's really important. You know, we project this thing about college being so important. And right. to some extent it is, depending on what business you go into. Right. Um, you know, I've got a kid in college now, you know, but I yeah, me too. I don't think that college is for everybody. No. And, and the whole and trades I, industry has been like ignored. There are people that could be good electricians and plumbers and cabinet makers and carpenters. And sure. it's like sure, no path for that anymore, right? Yeah, but even outside of the trade industry, right? Like, like you know, if I were to, let's say, you know, what I see, is it a, a real estate law, state law in the background? Business, you know, states, real estate. Yeah, transactional work, contracts, I, things like that. I bet you if I went in there, if, I, if a young 19-year-old went in there and said, hey, look, man, I will straighten your chairs, I'll clean your windows, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, organize the papers. After 10, 15 years of that, that guy would have a pretty good position in your in your um, in your company, and yeah, I he'd probably become that, a paralegal if he's, he can't be a lawyer because he needs maybe a lawyer, not a lawyer, but, yeah. but 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 you know a paralegal, sure. you know. And I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. And and I, I know that when when I go to a, a meeting today, you know, like I'm I'm 50 years old, so I'm I'm not young anymore. But you know what? A lot of times I'm the youngest guy in the furniture room, right. and I have the most experience by far. And it's because I started so young. I yeah. was lucky enough to found a passion and stuck with it all of my life. And they started later. So they're older. Than exactly. Them. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that there's an interesting, you know, whether, you know, maybe a law degree or a doctor or something like that. Yeah. Obviously you need, you know, good education um, for that. Yeah, it's a profession. It's different it, than other things. It is different. You yeah. know, they're, they're, um, and but I think we just take it for granted that everyone goes to college. That's just the way it is. And it's shouldn't be. Well, there's college for, there's another method of college. I call my career at Pottery Barn, my college, right? Okay. I, I, I left my cabinet shop. I made five resumes. I gave one away to Pottery Barn and okay. I was immediately hired. And while I was there, I wanted to learn about, you know, the factories. How do I scale a factory in a large way? Okay. So, while I was at Pottery Barn, I kind of showed them a few problems. I pointed out actually a lot of problems. In fact, I operationally sort of, like like uh, yeah, just problems with their furniture. You know, oh, okay. you know, look, you, you got this problem here. You got returns, and here's the reason why you have returns. And and you know what? I can fix that for you. Just send me overseas to the factory, and I'll take care of that for you. And that was just because it was long- a production problem. It was a quality control problem. It was a production problem and it wasn't necessarily a quality control problem. It was just something they were doing in the process that no one ever really thought about. And, Got it. and, and my game was, I just wanted to find these problems, figure out a solution so that they would fly me to these mega factories and, and I could, could see meet them. what a mega factory yeah. was about. Right. And, and so I really look at, you know, my, yeah, sure. what was it? Five years at Pottery Barn as my college Right. Um, and, and my hard knocks. Well, you were there with a goal, right? You weren't there just making a living. No. You were trying to learn yes, more 100%. about the business. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 100%. How can I get myself into these meetings? How can I get myself? I wasn't just there for a paycheck. In fact, you know, I was living on the paycheck, but I, I certainly was there with a much larger ambition down the line. And it's paid off today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good thing. A good thing you had that job. You only have four resumes left. So. Yeah, <laughs> only afford to print five of them. Is that what I happened? I still have the four. I made these little. You books. do? I still have them. Yeah, yeah. It's a big funny. part of my story. I mean, honestly, you know, um, uh, several things happened to me there that changed my life. You know, for 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 the better, and and um, in the furniture industry, and 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 so I look back at that era very fondly. Now, that's not to be said. I compete against them today, and yeah. you know, obviously they're the bigger company, but I still like sticking it to them whenever I can. Right. So what were the things that 
that you learned there that changed your career or whatever? Well, you know, one of the things is I was, man, it must've been my, my first month on the job and we did a big presentation to Gary Friedman and Gary Friedman is, was the president of Pottery Barn at the time. He's Uh also now the CEO of Restoration Hardware. Are they, is that the same company or? No, no, they're different companies, but he was president of Pottery Barn um, and then later went and bought a failing restoration hardware and has turned restoration hardware into what it is today. So back in the day, he was the big cheese, right? And everybody would, we'd, we'd present the season to him. And, you know, we were presenting the look and feel and, and all that. And no one speaks up. Everyone's kind of afraid of, of, you know, making a ruckus to him or around him. And so he says after the presentation, so what does everybody think? And no one says anything. <laughs> and I stand up the dumb kid that's been there like a month. And I said, right. well, I think the idea is bad. I think it's terrible. I don't think the Pottery Barn customer is going to like it. And, you know, and everybody, you know, on my side of the table is looking at me like, oh, you're fired. And <laughs> I'm going to rip your head off. You know, that sort of thing. Right. And, and I mean, it was it just, you could hear the pin drop. Right. So I went back to my desk. And I started taking all my stuff and put it in a box. Right, you're packing up, going home, I right? literally was packing, like no joke, cliche <laughs> or not. I was actually packing. And the woman comes running up to me and she says, uh, I've got Gary Friedman on the phone for you. And I'm like, like, I'm just a young kid. Like that guy doesn't right. call me, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, I'm really getting fired. Right, he's telling you himself you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> Totally right. Right. So, so I get on the phone. I get on the phone, and he says, "You know, I want to thank you for standing up today and speaking your mind." He said, "A good designer will always stand up and speak his mind, no matter how popular that might be." And man, I said, "Thank you, sir," and put the phone down. I started unpacking. Right. actually unpacking. Right. But that stuck with me for years. And, and I think that that was one of the things that gave me the confidence to, uh, you know, to really lean into what, what I believe and, and lean into, to what is within me, which is being a good designer, you know, being an entrepreneur and all that. It, It was a total confidence builder. And later on in life, I reached back out to him. I told him that story. I said, man, you know, 15 years later, you changed my life. And uh, I you, ended were, up, you said you were young at this point. You were 19 or something. I right? just started. That was like yeah. the beginning of my career, you know. And um, and he he uh, later hired me, you know, and I, and I worked for him for, for quite a while. So um, at Restoration Hardware, right? Restoration Hardware. Yeah. So so at, at, at Pottery Barn, did you end up? Did they listen to you? They're like, ah, you're a punk ass kid. You're not going well, go to go to factories, up, whatever. I ended up pointing out a lot of problems and I ended up solving a lot of problems and I became the the problem solver. And a lot of my, you know, uh, you know, fellow coworkers, you know, looked at me, why does he get to do that? You know, welcome, welcome. He doesn't have to write these reports, you know, and I just kind of paved my own way and, and, um, and kind of ran my job like an entrepreneur would, you know, pointing out these problems, fixing them, you know, doing what I thought was best to guide the company forward, even though I was, you know, pretty low man on the totem pole. So you said you spent five years there. So six yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Back in the heyday, this is, this is when, you know, Pottery Barn was the thing, you know? Yeah. I remember we were younger. It was the thing. Yeah. Everybody Everyone wanted was, a Pottery Barn yeah. living room and, you know, the everybody. apothecary cabinet was on Friends and that was a big deal. Then. Yeah. That made a big deal. Right. Exactly. You know, Friends yeah. was a big deal then and all that. So yeah, it was exactly. Yeah. 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 I guess. That whole industry, your whole industry has changed so much with online, with, you know, people, you know, sustainability. People don't, I mean, now they, I guess they're starting to go back to stores, but they weren't exactly running to furniture stores during the pandemic. So, well, that's not true. So, I mean, you know, were you allowed to be open? Well, us at Benchmade Modern, I mean, you know, from the factory side of, of, of it, you know, we, we kind of, um, you know, changed our production. We started making masks, right. We started. Um, you know, we started using our fabric to make masks. This was early on when you couldn't get a mask and, right. and you know, we didn't know much about masks, but we yeah. thought, okay, well we have sewers and, and, you know, we can help. And, and so we made masks and that helped us stay alive. Then what oddly, what happened is, is that, you know, at Benchmade Modern being an online business, right. everyone is at home. 
Yeah. And they're sitting there on their janky sofas, you know, yeah. thinking, oh man, this is, this is not going to work. I need something new. And suddenly people had more income to spend as well. A weird thing happened there, right? Where, where we weren't able to go out. We weren't going out to dinner. We weren't taking right. trips. We're spending so less we, and we're still making money. Yeah. And we're still making money, you know, right. for, for a good portion of the, of, of the world, you know, and, and, and things started to, well, now I have this, you know, disposable cash. So, so, you know, weirdly the sofa industry spiked, you know, we yeah. took off online um, retails. Well, because you're sitting on your couch now all the time, you look at yes. same with the home improvement industry. you're looking around, you're like, Oh, this is terrible. Before yes. you spend, you know, 80% of your time at work, you probably, you're like, ah, yeah, whatever. Now, now you're like, I'm sitting on this kid's couch sucks. I got to get rid of this. And we <laughs> totally. did the same thing. And totally. the funny thing was, I didn't know you, but the funny thing was, we went to look for a couch at one point. It was like 24 weeks to get it. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, I'll need a new couch point. in 24 weeks. What are you talking about? You know, it was like crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, supply chain, right? It's uh, it's like 50 to 60 weeks right about now. It is. Uh, you know, um, I mean, it is just it is spiking crazy. We are at five weeks. Okay. And now, why is that? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, one, we manage the fabric well. You know, we we manage our our materials well. Um, we we've kind of built a system where we can. It's a it's a relatively simple system, and we can really push it through quickly. A lot of the red tape is well. One is the is the the line, um, and there's a there's a long line right that happens at these factories. And so it just stacks up and stacks up and gets longer and longer. The other problem is, is material related. And so, you know, we try to, to always have the materials um, and we try to have a flow and we don't let that line, you know, kind of grow. And, and so we're able now that said, beginning a pandemic, I was at 10 days and that's our magic spot is 10 days. So you could get a custom sofa made to five inch increments within 10 days. So for us, five weeks is, is a long lead time and, and we'll get back there. Um, you know, we'll continue to push back there, but we've got to chip away at our own, uh, line, so to speak. Right. Well, your issue is raw materials, right? You're doing all your manufacturing yourself. Yes. The company does yeah. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which okay. is, which is, let me point out, you know, that's true direct to consumer, right? right. When you, when you think about it, you know, Pottery Barn is a direct consumer in this day and age, Right. Like they, you know, they're, they're buying not manufacturing good. their furniture. Are they? Yeah, no. but just no, nor is, uh, you know, they're contracting Casper. it out. Right. Yeah. Nor is Casper. No, uh, they're contracting it out. Right. So that's not really direct to consumer. We're actually direct to consumer. We're manufacturing the goods and sending it directly to the consumer. I like to point that out today as we, you know, as we watch this whole direct to consumer world kind yeah. of. It goes involved. directly to the consumer. It just doesn't come from the guy you're buying it from. Yes. You yes. know? Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. So I'm getting ahead of myself with the whole thing. But when you when you left um, Pottery Barn, where did you go from there? Did you go to Restoration Hardware or did you go out on no, your own? No, I I I took a job um, working for, for a textile business, sure. um, weirdly, a, a textile importer. And I basically went to them and or I guess we kind of came to each other, came to the conclusion like, Hey, why don't you come work for me? We'll go pitch Walmart and Target versions of what you were doing at Pottery Barn. And so I spent the next, you know, three, four years um, really taking a look at what we had done and then going to factories overseas and teaching them how to make that same looking product but at, at a more cost-effective way. And Got we it. sold those goods to Walmart and Target. Um, and we were quite successful in, in that era. So that, was, was that a different division of the text? Because textiles yes, is, yes, I was there. Is, is raw, is fabric, right? Yes, yes. I was their loan uh, hard goods company. And, and this is going into kind of the 2008 crash yeah. Um, and I, I, I was the last man standing, uh, hard goods and furniture was the last man standing within that company. And we kind of closed the doors there. I started while I was there, I went to them and I said, I need to get back to modernism. I need to get back on my plan, right? The plan that I had when I went to Pottery Barn in the first place, I need to get my own line of furniture going. That was always and your goal. That was always my goal. Furniture yeah. company. But yeah. you like modern stuff. And, and I like modern. And so okay. I went to them and I said, look, I'm going to do this, 
with your blessing or without your blessing. Um, I'm either going to leave your company and start my own thing, or I can do both. Um, and they um, happily took both. And luckily, you know, I had my own um, brand called True Modern running okay. right about then. And uh, when they closed their doors, I was doing good enough that I could, you know, kind of just Continue. progress right into there. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So, um, what did True Modern do? It that's different than Benchmade. So yeah, we did modern. That was actually the start of Benchmade. To to, okay. to be honest, we did modern kids furniture, and I, you know, it was a it was a it was a market then. It's kind of a small market, right? Right. You know, back then in two thousand eight, not only are you in the modern market, which is like you know three percent of the country, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm gonna make it worse. I'm gonna modern kids furniture, right? Now I'm right. gonna be like this dinky bar market. But I learned in that in that endeavor that um, while it was relatively successful, when the economy shifted, I ended up with furniture sitting in two warehouses, uh, one on the east coast, one on the west coast, that wasn't selling. And I thought, you know, how can I do something different? And right. I, I I happen to be. Uh, selling. Um, well, I'll tell you a funny story how I got into sofas. I, a quick yeah. story. I, I couldn't you got get a whole hour, so don't make it too quick. All right, I won't make it. Too <laughs> quick. Uh, I'll draw it out. So I started. <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I went. To, I wanted a sofa for my own house, and I thought, okay. you know, I, I, I can't just buy a sofa from you know Crate and Barrel or Pottery Barn or something like that. I should probably make my own. Maybe this would be a good business. So I started exploring that avenue. Now I'm in the kids' furniture business, right? right? And I'm going to these sofa manufacturers in Los Angeles, and I'm saying, you know, I'm a, a Mr. Furniture. You know, I, I, I need to get. I'm getting into the sofa business, and you know, I couldn't get anyone to take me seriously. So you were trying to get them to make you a sofa. Yes, but in yeah. these giant factories, right? You know, where you got to order ten thousand pieces or something <laughs> yes, like that. Right? Right. And they're like, well, let me see your sofa line, and I'm like, well. Okay. I don't I don't have one, you right. know. You are the sofa line. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. So 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 here's what I did. I started for for I don't know, maybe 6 months, almost a year. I started buying sofas at cost. Okay. For like $1200 and I would sell them on my website for $1200. I made zero money. But what well, I'm probably did, losing money because it costs you money to run the business. So. Oh, I, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. But what I was doing was getting myself into the sofa business, right? So you had a line now. I had a line now, right? Yeah. And so they didn't know, you know, and and so you know, then I went back to them and said, okay, you know, now I'm Edgar Bozona, I'm in the sofa business. Right? Yeah, see, you're smart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, so suddenly those sofas were $600, not $1,200, right? And so then that's kind of catapulted me into the sofa business. And, and you know, we, we did pretty well. I, I was, I can proudly say that I was one of the first, or I am the first, uh, splayed leg sofa. That's like a mid-century modern looking splayed leg sofa. And everyone has it these days. It's a, it's a mid-century look that's kind of up on legs. And, but that was mine. I, I kind of helped kick that era off with my first Luna sofa was what that was called back then. Okay. And we did pretty well. And, and, and then a new, uh, gold rush came to town. Right. And I thought, how can I raise money? I missed the last gold rush. How can I raise money in the tech world for a furniture business? And I came up with Benchmade Modern. Got it. And I started pitching it to people. And uh, people thought I was crazy. And I was going to make sofas in 24 hours, right? Really? And in, in order to do that, I had to build my own small factory. I had to prove to them first that I could do it. Right. So I used my true modern business to kind of create the Benchmade business. And I built a small little factory and I started making sofas in 24 hours. Now it and, turns out yeah. that, that making sofas in 24 hours is actually a bad thing, but we'll, we'll save that <laughs> for a minute. Well, okay. So who was doing the design? You did all the design work? Who was? Yeah. Yeah. I did all the design work. Okay. And, um, and then we built a small little, little facility in Los Angeles. I live in the Bay area, but that's kind of the capital of, of the sofa industry on the West coast. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, we struggled for a bit, we raised some money, 
uh, I went and raised venture capital. You know, um, I was, it was right in the era where Casper and Dollar Shave Club were kind of on the cusp of making it. And that kind of changed the, the thought process of venture investing into a uh, direct-to-consumer. Did it help it? Yes. Yes, oh. it did. Yeah, it did. Because, you know, at that time, everyone wanted the next Google or the next Facebook right. or, you know, one of those types of businesses. And, and they didn't think that that venture would be fundable, um, you know, at that, or, or I'm sorry, that a direct consumer would be a fundable um, business model, right? right? You know, for the venture world, right? Which is, you know, truly making a unicorn of, you know, back then it was a hundred million dollar business was kind of the the big, the unicorn benchmark. Yeah. Now that's obviously changed, but, but, um, and so, yeah, we raised some money and, and, um, and gave it a go and, and, uh, you know, lots of hurdles, ups and downs. Yeah. You know, um, well, you gotta, you gotta answer to cap venture capitalists. You got a lot of, yeah, that's a whole, it's a whole different deal. And it turns out that, that, you know, when you're making a custom product faster than you can deliver it there, um, people uh, have some hesitancy to that. Um, when you're making a custom product and you're making it, you know, faster than anyone else, like right. by a mile, people wonder how good could the quality be? Of course. Right. It must yeah. not be very good if, you know, I mean, you guys, you and I are making airplanes and we rolling one out every day. People be like, I'm not getting on that thing. <laughs> I'm not going on that thing. Yeah, I mean, right. things just take time yeah. yes. just in and of themselves, right? You couldn't say we're going to have a couch tea in an hour. Nobody would believe that. How is it possible yeah. to? It, it doesn't actually take that long. That's kind of the, that's kind of what I secret. set out to prove. Yeah, that is the secret. It doesn't take that long. It's, it's really, you know, when your production is set up right, you know, it's a day. Um, yeah, really. And, and, yeah, and it's really just the line and the organization, and and um, you know how how the paperwork flows through the factory, and you know, and on top of that, look, the furniture industry is is a, a good portion of the furniture industry is kind of the a slow dog, you know. That's just that's just the mentality. Look, we've done it this way, and that's how we're going right. to do. It, yeah, that's know? part of it. That kind of thing. Yeah, and so so I felt at the time it was ripe for for disruption and, and, um, you know, I feel like we're still disrupting things today. Now, before you start, you got onto the bench made part of it. What, what happened? You, so you were buying these things at wholesale, you were yep. selling them basically at wholesale, were you taking them apart and designing other things from, or just sell, just selling them off? I was just selling them off. No, I was just getting firmly getting myself in the sofa business. And right. You know, well, you said I, you made the, what's it called? The Luna, the Luna. Yeah. And we, we started those selling- you were making, right? Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting? Maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit, created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. Care for the planet. And look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? 
Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. No, I mean, yeah, that, that became mine. But the but I was buying the Luna. I was buying my own design. I was having my own custom sofas made, basically. By someone else. Got by it. someone else. And they were charging me, you know, retail price. And I was selling those sofas to what's become Wayfair. At the time, it was all modern. It was a division of Wayfair. But yeah. I was selling them through Wayfair. Um, and uh, yeah, those guys, those guys went to Cornell. I think they had like all kinds of crazy websites like grandfatherclocks.com and, yes. you know, yeah. zippers.com and they had everything. And then it all became Wayfair, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And at the time we were all modern and that Luna sofa was the number one sofa on all modern. And it, you know, and it took a while for me to, for me to get the enough volume so that I could be in the sofa business. And, you know, it's, it, right. it, it reminds me today, you know, again, and I don't know if this leads back to the college question, whatnot, but there's lots of hacks to be made out here and there's lots of risk to be taken out here. And when you take a calculated risk right. or if you, you know, frankly, take a calculated hack, yeah. um, you may take some time. You might have to invest in yourself, you know, have faith in yourself that it's going to work out. And, and that's truly what happened there with those, with those first sofa orders. And we proved that we were in the sofa business and, you know, weirdly, like here I am, I'm, you know, I'm the sofa King, you know, Still doing it right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you needed, you needed volume for people to make a couch for you. That was the. Sure, issue, sure, right? sure, sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. So I think that it's interesting because you learned a lot about operations and logistics and how you run your business. Now, how do you do your strategic planning? Like in terms of like, what's your process for saying, okay, well, we have a line here. You design the couches. Where are we going to go from here? How do we set up the line? What employees do we need? What do our yeah. finances look like? How'd you do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. Honestly, that's a that that's been a real learning curve. If, I, if I'm going to be real honest, that's probably been my biggest learning curve, right? Yeah, I, it's for everybody. I, I understand that the um, you know the manufacturing side, and I understand the design side. Um, you know, I, I it's funny you ask that because I always think about companies. You know. Uh, Airbnb, Facebook, you know, yeah. companies like how, who decided that they needed a, how did they know that they needed a, you know, technical director of, you know, internal, you know, design and calculation. Time they need, you yeah. know, who, who told them that, you know, nobody who, told them that. <laughs> yeah, the necessity, right. It probably wasn't part of their original plan. No, no, it wasn't. But it 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 came out of necessity. And I I remember I used to search. I would go on LinkedIn and I would go to similar companies and yeah uh, in the furniture business to see the I competitors would, by what they're doing. Yeah, but I would click on their employees. You can click on the oh right. Button. It'd say right. It'd say Benjamin. They say we sixty six employees are on LinkedIn. Yeah. You click <laughs> on then, it right. And you click on it and you get all their names and I'd be like, wow, they have like you know a director of of imagery and right. they, you know like, what the hell do they need that for right <laughs> do i need that right that's what you're thinking right yeah. wait we, we gotta hire phds out of mit they're like yeah edgar why do we need to do that i don't yeah. know the other companies have yeah, them right i did that yeah yeah fall so, into that trap though just because they have them doesn't mean that you well, need i know them, but you know? but you know i don't i didn't even know that these specialties existed, right? And that goes back to, you know, you're they're just of, names though, in some cases, in some cases, they're just titles of people totally. that all do the same thing. They're just, totally. well, you do the imagery and I'll do this. And we're all designers yeah. and manufacturers, you know? I'm director of yeah. imagery now. Yeah, right, there's totally. no major in college yeah. was imagery, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. yeah exactly, exactly. So, so how know, did you strategically then, so, so you saw that, so over time, how did you build your... So over time, Employee we start adding, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, for our business, I've always believed in, in hiring people wherever they are, you know, pre, this is pre pandemic. I mean, right. I've got people all over the world that work for us right. and work for us on a daily basis. And well, obviously they're not manufacturing. They got to be no, in the they're factory not manufacturing. to do that. No, they're, yeah. You know, our bookkeeper, you know, going back to 2004, my, right. they don't need to be in your building. I've had the same guy living in India since 2004. You know, okay. like, 
it, running the books and, and the bank accounts and all of that, you know, and, and he's still with me today. Uh, you know, I've got people in uh, Ukraine. I've got people in, uh, you know, uh, all Can you get them on the phone right now? Eastern Europe. I did check in. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're okay right now. Yeah. There's a, there's a weird feeling when I started teaming up, you know, these, these, they're freelancers basically, but yeah. they work for us, you know, daily. Um, and I started teaming freelancer to freelancer up and, you know, I, I don't know who's at war over there. This is, you, know, <laughs> exactly. you know, and I had to ask him at one point, like, are you guys cool to work with each other? <laughs> right. Are you two Russians going to work with the two guys yeah. from Ukraine? You know, and, yeah, right. and the Ukrainian guy actually said to me, and this is, he was talking to about the guy in Macedonia and he said, you know, we're not at war, but, but but I don't care. Like I'm, I'm a global, you know, I'm of this global youth. Like that's, right. that's the country and there's old leaders doing their thing. Like, that's not my thing. I, I love right. my neighbors, you know, and, and it was quite an interesting uh, experience and, and frankly, very relevant to, to today. What's happening yeah. today. Who, so, um, yeah, no, go so ahead. I, 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 I think that growing a business isn't necessarily about, I've always felt that it's not necessarily about, you know, where the person lives and the office and, and all that. And again, this is pre-pandemic and, right. and now we're starting to see, oh, do we even need an office? You know? Do yeah. We, well, we you, you do. You need a, yeah. you need a facility because you're producing a product, but you know. Well, yeah, but, but, but the factory produces the product. Do I need an office for people to come? Do I need a place for people to leave their homes and then come into this cube and, you know, work your on books or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, no, you don't. You don't. I, I don't. And I have always felt that way. And it's great to see that the, that the world is kind of shifting in, into that direction to, yeah. to, to actually have faith in the worker, you know, and right. well, I think people it. didn't believe that their workers would be productive at home. And it turns out they're probably more productive. I think yeah. we're working harder being at home because they can get you anytime. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, drop your daughter off at school at three 30 and then come back and we can have another meeting at six. Yeah. Six, you'd be home that, already. That's interesting. You say that. I, I feel like, you know, there, there's a level in a company that, that when you get to a certain level, you're always working. That's right. the expectation, yeah, right? They always expect you to, right. They just expect you to always be accessible. Yeah. You know, the, the iPhone or the trio, whatever it was, you know, really changed, changed the world as far as like, being able to have emails and messaging always and all that. plugged in, right? Always plugged in. But what I think the pandemic did is I think it allowed workers to work from home. And then it also allowed, you know, that upper tier to then reach down to the, reach over to the workers to, to, you know, to get them to work all the time as well. And so, right. so yes, maybe they're picking up their kids, maybe they're getting their haircuts, you know, maybe they're having lunch with their friends that are longer, but, but, but they're available. And if you measure by the work that's complete, um, I think that's what's what's most important. And, and I think yeah. you find value in people that that are going to, you know, do their jobs well to begin with. And, and pandemic or not, they're, they're going to do a good job because they care. And, and it's my job to be a good leader, you know, yeah. and give them the tools and also I guess, uh, gosh, I always call I call it the love. Like I got to give them enough love so that they feel empowered they, to do. The they job. feel good about their good job. About what they're they doing, feel yeah. good about what they're doing. They feel good right. about our direction. It really is. It really is our direction. And right. And I think when you apply all of those tools, you know, you get people that are going to stay with you for a long, long time. Um, and and that's what's most important is for is, sure is having the same group of people you know, growing and, and helping, you know, move the, the company along. Yeah. Well, definitely, you know, culture and the kind of company you are and the environment they work in has become very important to employers and employees. I know some recruiters that work with employers to help them brand their company for the prospective employees, because a lot of these younger kids, millennials, next gen, you know, they're they're all Gen Z. That's what they want, you know? They yeah. want to know how many days a week do I got to come? My son, we were talking about college. My son's graduating. How many days a week do I got to come to the office? We would never ask that question yeah, 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 in yeah, our yeah. 20s. What do yeah. you mean? Yeah. Every and day then, except Saturday and Sunday, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, and, then, and it's not like that anymore. Yeah. And the days of, of, you know, just having a, a foosball table or a, right. or ping a pong table and, right, exactly. is not cutting it anymore. No way. <laughs> they play ping pong at home. Yeah. Those days are yeah. over. But look, maybe we're like other parts of the world. We're kind of, 
you know, working to live instead of living to work. You know, Americans always live to work. That was it. We were, yeah, we didn't have siesta in the afternoon or go to dinner and go back to work. It wasn't like that. And we, you know, and maybe now we're learning that uh, this, we do this for the people. We do this for our families. We do this for life. It's not about the company. Companies don't exist if people aren't around, you know? Yeah. I hope that's the case. I, you know, at Benchmade Modern, we, you know, customer service is a big part of what we do. And I, I haven't quite figured out the best method, you know, like a holiday weekend, suddenly every holiday that, that we have in the U S is a shopping holiday. Like, right. you know, yeah. they don't want to buy from you. Yeah. Right? Well, but President's day is a great example, right? Like, yeah, it's not actually even President's day anymore. It's what's on sale day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know? and, well, there used to be separate presidents. Now it's just all one day, you know, yes, right. it's a shopping day. Yeah. It's just yeah. a shopping day. My mom needed a new refrigerator. They said, well, well, let's wait till Monday. Maybe there's sales. It's <laughs> President's Day. Yes. Okay. So, but what you don't think about is, is our teams are working on President's Day. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. These people have to work. Because it's a big, it's a big day. And so, so I'd love, you know, online gives us a little bit of, you know, we have tools in the background when you swipe and all that, like we're able to handle quite a bit more customers than you would at a regular furniture store. Right, you need people right? there, yeah. You need a lot more people. So so we're not having to be as heavy on those holidays. And so we're able to give people breaks and, and whatnot. But but it's it's something that we need to think about, I think, going into the future is how do we handle, you know, how do we give everyone breaks? You know, maybe you don't get presidents say holiday off, but you get the following day off. And, you know, as a, as a leader, I, that's something I need to start, you know, kind of investing a little bit more of, of my, of my time on how do I, you know um, how do I really adapt as well? You know, maybe at some point we'll go to a four week, four day work week, you know, and how's that going to play into things? And right, right, right. but and I think you be as productive in four days as you are in five days. And maybe you can, you know, exactly. I probably can't do it in the manufacturing setting. Right. Because that's, right. that's strictly hours on. Right. right. And you, you take a day off and now you're a day behind. Yeah. Now you're a day yeah. behind and that line is just going to back up, you know, right. galore. So, right. but in, on the front line, I think we can figure out ways to do that. And I'd, and I'd love to see businesses change. And, and we pride ourselves in being a, you know, a pretty forward thinking business. How many employees do you have now? Well, we don't have that many. That's uh, like, like I said, you know, yeah, you don't need a hundred employees to run this company. No, right? we don't. You know, obviously we've got a lot of employees in the factory, but our, but our frontline uh, staff is, is relatively minimal. And, and I do that by, by choice. I, I don't want to have the overhead yeah. of, you know, going back to, to the director of, of, you know, imagery, like I don't necessarily want a director of imagery. I would <laughs> no. rather outsource that when needed. Right. Right. And, and so that's part of the adaption that I think our company has done. We hire people wherever they live, you know, and we hire freelancers and we hire, you know, people that are, that are sort of running their own businesses. They don't even want a job. I couldn't right. hire them if I if I wanted to. They do other right? work for other companies, right? They do other work for other companies. Right. They're their own boss, you know. They enjoy that. And yeah. and I and I I learned that really early on and 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 that's how I am, you know. And right. so so um you know so we don't have that many employees and we don't need that many employees, you know, full-time employees. Right, but, right. You know, the guy in India, the the, the people in New York, the people in LA, like they're all quote unquote employees and they're just as vested in our company as, as any one of our employees is. Yeah. Well, a lot of technology companies run that way. They have designers, they have programmers all over the world. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't really need to be there. It's not like you're putting together a couch. Yeah. You don't need to be there. Now we need them in the factory, right? Yeah. Um, but, but we don't need them, you know, um, running these operations on the other side. And, and I think that's helped us you know, keep our overall expenses relatively low. And, um, and it, and did you have to lay people off during the pandemic? No, we did not. PPP yeah. money and you were able to. No, no, we didn't do any of that. No, you didn't take any free government money like government cheese. You didn't take any nope. of that? Didn't take any cheese, didn't need it, uh, <laughs> didn't want it. Good. Um, you know, uh, save that for, for someone else who, who might need it. That was, that's, that's nice. So, how many, you had different shifts in the warehouse with, Different in the, employees in the factory. Yeah, I mean they 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 do run a couple different shifts. Um, you know, we produce our goods on on in both Dallas and in in California. 
um, in two different facilities. And so they, they, they run doubles at, you know, at, at times, not all the times in, in right. Dallas and, and um, you know, some overtime and whatnot in, in California, but really it's about growth, you know, especially for California, it's about them meeting, meeting the demand and growing right. the, the, you know, the factory growing the lines basically uh, to meet that demand. And, and so it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good system. You know, it's, it's not easy, you know, I mean, we're making furniture. Yeah. It's, you know, with shipping furniture across the country is, is tough, you know, getting a giant sofa into someone's home is, is a real challenge. And um, that's, that's also been a learning curve. You know, I, I have always said, let's make the sofa for the room and who cares about it fitting the truck. Right. Right. Like, but it's got to get through the door though. Got to get through the door. Right. <laughs> but you know, interestingly, uh, uh, an 85 inch, 90 inch sofa, the reason why that's the standard sofa is because it fits in a truck and it fits in a truck. Uh, right? so like it, was a all, it was all mass. It's yeah. Geometry and mass. That's all it is. Yeah. Right. And so, well, and then, Makes and, sense, then right? and then dollars, right. Cause then that cost, that's about, you know, shipping something cost effectively. Right. And, and so, so when you start disrupting, right, I'm yeah. going to make a 10 foot sofa, right. I'm going to give people what they want. Then you find out that there's a reason that they did there's, the 90. There's a reason, but, but we still make, you know, nine, 10 foot sofas all the time. And, and, um, and yeah, it's a little bit more expensive to ship, um, but yours but, are aren't your pieces modular or is no? No, no, we 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 sell by the five inches. So okay. you know they, they typically range anywhere from from seven feet to about nine feet in, in five inch increments. And then we have corner sectionals and all that. So I literally, uh, if I had an odd shaped room, as long as it's seven feet or more, I literally could measure out exactly the size that I want. Yeah, you know and I make it. We would, but you know what you would do first? You would go to our site. Yeah. That's right, modern. And you would go to one of the project pages and you would choose yourself. And we have this really cool slider button. You slide back and forth and you can watch the sofa expand and contract. You can see it go from like a, a two seater to a three seater, you know, at 85 inches, it magically goes from a two to a three, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. But then you can hit the print button and we, we send you a full scale drawing, a giant piece of paper that you roll out on the floor. That you ship of- to them? That we ship to them of that exact sofa, corner sectional. You build up two pieces of yeah. paper together, big giant thing, and you see does it fit in the in the room? Does yeah, because that's always a problem. You measure it out. Yeah. Still, then the thing comes. You go, oh my god, this thing's. What enormous. happened? What did right. I do? Right. Right. You take your side tables. You put your side tables there. We often find people they'll they'll, they'll they'll photograph it and they'll send it to us. They'll you know does my husband fit down between the arms laying down? Like does he fit? Can he take a nap right there? You know does our you know four person family all fit comfortably? And so we'll 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 get these pictures of them sitting you know on the floor on this big giant <laughs> piece of paper to see if yeah. they fit and all that. Yeah. So it's a little bit of like, you know, the old school into the new school. It's not AR right. and all that crazy stuff. This is just a, you know, a piece of paper that you lay out and, and it's, it's one no, of the, but tri- you must have a very large printer that does that and you got to pay yeah. to ship it to them. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But so do but they no. order the, do they order the printout first to see yeah. if it fits? Yes. Oftentimes, not, not every time, but oftentimes, okay. you know, that's, that's part of our process. You know, you first, you go to our site right. and you hit the, the swatch button and we, we send you a, gosh, a giant box. It's like 14 by 14 inches. It's got a hundred swatches in it, all fabrics, like four right. inches by four inches, you know, big fabric swatches. We send that to you second air, right? We, we want to, we're basically saying right up front, we mean business, right? Yeah. We're going to give you these hundred swatches, Right. We, we mean Which they get to keep, right? You're making an investment in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it's a, it's a signal, you know, to them, we hope. Um it's a signal to them that that we're 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 for real. Like we're not just some fly by night, you know, online only uh furniture store. We're 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 the real deal and we're signaling quality, you know. And then then when you go through the process, you go to order maybe maybe you don't need to order the the um the printout. But maybe you do, you know, and, right. and then we'll send that to you. And, and uh, you know, as we bring them through the quote unquote funnel. Right. You know, they we, get you know, more, more attached to your company and doing business with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, 
it's one of the things that we do. And, and then maybe I'll send them an email, you know, or, or, um, you know, I oftentimes will even pick up the phone and call people myself, you know, Hey, it's, yeah. you know, um, I'm the owner and founder and, and of the company and, and, um, you know, I, I, how can I help you? You know, and, and you know, people are amazed and, but I like to take the time and do that. I, I sent a, a guy, a text yesterday, I was going through the back end and I noticed there was just some customer who had bought three different pieces of upholstery over the last two years. And I don't know, I don't even know if like we have that many other customers to do that, but I saw his name there and I saw his phone and I just plugged his phone into my text and, and you know, it went blue iPhone to iPhone. I, I sent him a note. I just say, hey, this is Edgar Blazona from Benchmade Modern. I want to thank you for for you know for the orders and and I hope you love your sofas. I would imagine you do if you've ordered from us three times. But I really appreciate you and I and I thank you for your business. Just random, you know. And yeah. I'm like, God, hey, you know. And and you know, we went back and forth. You know, he sent me a picture of his of his of his living room, and you know, he was thrilled, and and uh, and I was yeah. thrilled for him. So yeah, a lot of touches. Now, you what? Who do you consider like your competitors? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, in our price point, I mean, we're yeah. not the cheapest by, no. by so I would quality. say right from a from a a brick and mortar retail okay. perspective, um, that would be restoration hardware uh, and maybe the upper end of Crate and Barrel. Okay, um, and from a online only, um, I you know I I. We're kind of at the top of the online only world that's that's out there um, at scale. Um, there's a you know there's a few there's some older companies that used to compete with us. Joybird they ended up selling their company off to to Lazy Boy. Um, you know their quality has you know, kind of gone down a bit. Their price point has gone down. Whether you know they're 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 trying to meet a different audience. So. Um, but from the retail side, the real brick and mortars, I would say that restoration hardware and crate barrel are probably our, our two biggest, you know, kind of daily competitors. And, uh, and as an entrepreneur, right, you own the business. Do you, first of all, do you own hundred percent of the company or? No, I don't. I ended up selling the company, uh, three years ago, we were acquired okay. and, um, and now I run it for our new. You still run the company though. Course. You're the, yes, yeah, absolutely. The operations. You don't own any of it. You I just stayed know. on basically yeah. oh, for yeah. a period Absolutely. of time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You exited. Look at that. Yeah. Well, I haven't exited anything. I'm still here running. Oh, you show. financially exited. You <laughs> yeah. got your value out, right? If the place catches fire, burns down, you got to go work somewhere else. You already sold it. You're done with that well, part. Yeah. I don't like to look at it that way. I'll right. be there putting the fire out. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's your baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what would you say if you were going to give advice to people? you know, an entrepreneur, they yeah. might be in the furniture business, might not. What are the one or two things that you think you would have done differently? Um, yeah. Mistakes that you made or mistakes that people shouldn't make? Those types Yeah. Of well, let's, let's, let's start at the beginning, right? Let's okay. go back to the very beginning. And, and the two things that I often tell, um, you know, young entrepreneurs or, or in, even people just, just starting. And especially when it's a tech or, or venture funded business, yeah. let's, let's use that as kind of the example. There's two things in, in a venture funded business. One is raising money. It's very difficult to raise money. You know, there's yeah. these, these VCs get a million pitches a day. How do you stand out? What's your business model? You know, is it truly a venture funded business? Yeah, because not, not all businesses can do that, right? No, a, a lot of times they're not, right? They're a lifestyle business, which could still be a giant, you know. Right, I but mean, a venture capitalist wants to know, how do I get my money out? What's my return on, you know, doesn't always work. But it's like, how do I get my money out of a hundred million dollar business? Right. right. Exactly. They're not going to do it to make five hundred thousand dollars. No way. Well, they're not going to do it to make a fifty million dollar business. That's yeah, really not, no. Oh, oh, absolutely. They not. want to do hundred million or more. Or more. And 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 if it's if there's not a clear path to a hundred million, then it's not a venture funded business. Right. Right. And that's not to say that a $50 million business, I mean, I would love to own a $50 million business. I mean, that's a that's a hugely successful business, but it's not a venture funded business. So right. one thing is, is when you're starting out and you're looking for money, uh, I always tell people, ask for money, get advice, ask for advice, get money. And what that means is, is that no one wants to like, hey, I just need some, you know, a million dollars to to right. you know 
invest in some marketing to right. get this business off the ground. Like, no, 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 no. Go to them and say, I have this business. You're a smart guy. I have this business. You know, can, can you tell me, what do you think about this business? I'm not right. looking for money. Just, just what do you think about this business? And can you give me some, st- some, some tips on what you maybe have seen? You've looked at a lot of businesses. You, what, what maybe you've seen that's helped other businesses be successful? Right. And at the end of the meeting, often the signal is, uh, well, let me know if I can be helpful. And if, and if they say that, that's a signal. That's kind of the signal that they're sort of interested, right? Right. What can I do to help? Nothing, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And, and that was great advice. And I'm going to go home and think on that and walk away from the meeting there. That signals to them FOMO, right? (laughs) Now they have FOMO. Now they're like, oh man, I, like. He didn't offer, he didn't ask for my money. Like, right. Oh, what am I missing here? Right. Yeah. And oftentimes they'll come back and, and, and right. ask. And they also don't feel that you just went there just to ask, just to take their money just and to get their wallet. And people yeah. like to be helpful. Like they like to give their advice. It makes them feel good. A hundred percent. Given their uh, wisdom. That's a hundred percent. And the other thing that I tell young uh, entrepreneurs is ride the highs, not so high. Ride the lows, not so low. In the uh, venture-funded world, in the tech businesses, direct-to-consumers, man, there's these incredible highs. And you think, like, at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're like, I'm going to retire by the end of the day. Like, <laughs> I'm freaking rich, right. you know? And literally, by t- and, and you're just, like, popping champagne, and, you know, you're just like... Right, we did it. We did it, right? <laughs> and 12 o'clock comes around and an email comes in and you're like, I'm going out of business. Like, <laughs> like, we are actually going bankrupt now, you know? Right. And, and it's those crazy highs and those crazy lows that can break an entrepreneur. Your will, right. Yes, it can break your will. And you, you do yeah. that every day for two years and it can be very tough. So if you try to just- Manage like, the ups and downs, the highs I, and the lows. I hope that I get rich. And yeah, like I keep it kind of this way, right? In, you know, in the middle there, yeah. uh, you know, for the mind, uh, it's much. Yeah, psychologically, we can't deal with that stuff. I mean, it's great. Look, your endorphins are going. You're thinking about what can you do with $50 million yeah. and what can yeah. you buy? Yeah. You know, it's like the guy who runs the lottery and then realizes he has a ticket for the wrong day, right? Totally. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's a great example. That's exactly uh, that. That's the best example. In fact, if you don't mind, I'm going to I'm going to borrow that. Yeah. There that, was a guy out here, Staten Island, Long Island, whatever. He thought he won the lottery and had a party and then discovered that he had the ticket for the wrong day. Now, I don't know. I don't know the whole story. Maybe his friends played a joke on him, whatever. But he believed that he won like a lot of money, like mega millions or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to like jump off a building after something like that. That's the day in the life of a tech funded entrepreneur. Honestly, that's how it is. Like, boom, bust. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same day. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's a great story. All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing your, your story. Yeah. Um, we'll put links in the show notes. People should check out Benchmade Modern, follow your Absolutely. story. What's the best way to connect with you? LinkedIn or yeah, Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Edgar Blazona at Twitter, you know, okay. obviously go to benchmademodern.com, you know, um, any of those, those email addresses there will get to me in the end, you know, uh, hey, right. this, you know, for the founder or, or whatnot. Um, but check out, check out our, our furniture while you're there. I've got, uh, a code for you guys, um, for your okay. listeners, um, accidental 15, um, okay. that will be 15% off, you know, anytime, no need to, to wait for a sale, a president's day sale or anything like that. Um, so feel free to use that at any time. And, and, uh, okay. again, I would recommend, you know, order some swatches and, and whatnot, but. Okay. And also for people listening, can you tell them there was a time where you made a prototype, a robot, where almost like a vending machine, right? Where people can pick, can you tell them how they can find it on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we started off making a, I wanted to, to build a, a hybrid store, making these tiny little stores. And I, and I, I was basically making a robotic vending machine and you can go to YouTube. If you search Benchmade Modern Robot YouTube, you can see an early version. This is a real rough version of, right. of really, the, this was one of the first successful picks as they call it, where, where the robot was picking the sofa 
off the wall and putting it down in front. Later, we made it much more flowing and organic, and it really had this wonderful like snake-like feel as it dropped down in front of you. Turns out that that uh, you need so much safety involved that it makes everybody at the city of San Francisco so concerned that they'll <laughs> tie you up in so much red tape that you'll never get through it. And, so and you know, we didn't end up finishing the project, uh, you know, and again, one of those ups and downs, we ended up having to sell the, uh, we ended up having to sell the robot off to make a little uh, extra cash. Um, but, but you know, whatever. Innovation a, at its best, it right? It's a good endeavor. Yeah. So check it out. It's a fun thing. I appreciate it. Edgar, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and many of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted and produced by me, Mitch Beinhacker. If you'd like more information about my legal services, you can find me on social media or visit my website at beinhackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.